Welcome to the Transform Sales Podcast, where forward-thinking business leaders come to share their experiences and ideas, learn from each other, and amplify their results together. Hey guys, Amir Ryder here at the Transform Sales Podcast. I got my guest for the day, Tom Birch, CEO of OutreachLead.ai. Tom, what's up, man? How are you? Oh, good, Amir. Great to speak to you. Great to man. We, we, we got to extract some information from, from your mind. Where are you based today? You're, you're, in, uh, you're, you're in London or UK or Manchester? Uh, yeah, the, uh, the dark regions of up north in Man- uh, Manchester. I can do it all the same so, thing, yeah. but, but I know it's very much not the same thing. I won't, I won't take offense to that. Game? <laughs> oh, unfortunately, unfortunately, unfortunately just this year, right? <laughs> no, for the, for the past 12 years of pain. I know nothing. Doing. I know nothing about soccer. Uh, but, but, but for those tuning in, those listening, you know, in this podcast, we like to, to interview CEOs and, and, and founders and, and, and people who are running outsourced sales agencies, pick their brains so that we can hear what mistakes buyers make when buying and when working with in the hopes that we can avoid those mistakes and make a lot of money together from a buyer's and seller's perspective. But before we get into that, love to hear how you got into this business in the first place. What was the the journey that, that brought you here to the outsourced sales world? Yeah, well, you know, finishing my, uh, my, my master's, um, I needed a job, right? So <laughs> You needed to buy tickets to Manchester compa- United game. <laughs> they were getting expensive. <laughs> too, exp- too expensive. I'd rather go and play rugby. Um, but yeah, no, I, um, one, needed a job. Two, you know, naturally a competitive person. Um, and after we completed my master's, you know, I thought sales was the was the best route um, to to make quicker money than going through the other operational type jobs. So I kind of fell into cybersecurity. And by that, I mean I turned up for an interview, I got a job, and figured out it was in a hot space. So um, yeah, I was straight on the phones and uh, generating leads for for pretty much an immature kind of industry yep. at that point, where before the boom. Um, and you know, I cut my cut my teeth on the phones, and that's where I, you know, where where I flourished essentially, and then progressed through the ranks into a, a account director role. Um, I spent nine years at NCC Group, which was a you know really you know a really world global renowned organisation. Also, grew, you know, that business grew, as long with the cybersecurity industry, and then I moved uh, to a company that you, you may well know, BlackBerry, um, yeah. and and that was. Uh, when you know, eventually tried to you know made it made the leap just prior to to, to COVID uh, into to setting up my own business. So you so you were so you were um, so you were doing sales and cybersecurity for many years, kind of crack kind of crack the code yeah, exactly. of having no fear and and, yeah. <laughs> and being being a champion <laughs> at heart. So you were naturally good at it, and then COVID was a, a catalyst for for you to to kind of go on in your own and help other. Up other companies that exactly. are in cybersecurity space as well, not exclusively. Yeah, and, and, and focus where you know where my skills lie, and that was uh, generating leads and creating opportunities, along with obviously the other, the other parts of the sales process. So, yeah, I started, I kind of rewinded and started focusing on that. You know, what brought me into sales and where where I uh, performed best, and 
you know, being an S- SDR, so to speak, which wasn't even a, a role back then, was, um, you know, was where I focused. Yeah, I think that's a common theme, right? I think if you can fix a problem yourself, a very difficult problem that you know is difficult, which sales are, is, mm-hmm. then, then building a business of those techniques, you know, it's, it's an interesting thing because you're like, hey, I'm working for a cybersecurity company. They're not giving me training. They're not giving me these tools. They're not giving me all the structure I need and I'm still doing very well. Well, what if I take those skills and then I actually build a business to support and amplify what I do well and then you then you have outreach to that, that AI? Yeah, exactly. And, you know, organizations were, you know, in my view, were typically immature in how they approached, you know, SDRs, uh, the SDR role. Uh, not a lot of, you know, not a lot of uh, SDRs were given the tools and the resources to to effectively generate leads. Um, so yeah, I really honed in on that. Specific so I know aspect. that I know that I, I know that you guys service a a wide variety of customers, but I'd love to focus right. And I think for us, um, I think the cybersecurity is what I want to focus. I'm actually going to frame the next question towards cybersecurity um, mistakes that cybersecurities make when hiring and outsourced sales agencies. Any come top of mind, and by mistake, right? I think there's a difference between a mistake being like, "Oh, this company's not doing anything the right things for me to close them," right? That's a whole different mistake versus a mistake mm-hmm. being like, "You're not my, maybe you will buy and you'll become a horrible customer, or whoever you buy from, you're just going to be unhappy." What what are what do those mistakes look mm-hmm. like? What's the most common ones that you've seen? Focusing on the solution before the challenge, uh, uh, you know, I think is a is a common theme across not just cyber but other, other other sectors. You know, focusing in on how great that organization is, all the features and benefit sides, as opposed to really focusing in on the actual challenging challenge that they're they're, they're overcoming for their clients, and then putting metrics around that around that challenge. Right. So. Um, I think that's kind of the one that comes through. That makes sense. I think I've seen that too. So, so basically, almost like a common theme in cyber and and elsewhere is that the messaging is about us, right? Like, hey, Tom, we raised seven hundred billion dollars. Therefore, you should talk to us because we are so awesome and and yeah. we have an awesome headquarters because we have so much money and we're so big. Versus focusing on the problems they solve. So it's a common theme of. Let's talk about ourselves and impress people with buzzwords and fancy stuff that they don't need and then set goals around a broken message to begin with. And you're... Yeah, and you know, th- yeah, that, 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 those, ch- those challenge messages can be multiple challenges, you know, whether it's operational, um, you know, whether it's uh, a challenge uh, specific to the solution that they, they solve for that particular person. So each, each outreach message should focus in on that specific person, whether it's their job role, um, or whether it's that specific sector, um, and yeah, and like I say, applying the metrics as well. So, you know, by doing this, we we deliver X, and applying a applying a metric to it, yeah, we save you X amount of time. Would would another a way of saying it be that people, or or sales leaders, or leaders like an outsourced sales, forget to separate why people would meet from you separately from why they would buy from you, and and they're almost they're almost treating everything like inbound the website and it's it's inbound, inbound comes in and now it's okay here's why you buy from us right it's inbound lead and just not really understanding that why people meet with you is often very different than why they buy from you is that is that a course a core cause of this yeah each situation is, is is fairly different as to why someone would meet there's there's obviously political internal political motivations as well you know 
they've got to really think about why someone would meet you. What what they what they're going to personally gain uh, for, from the solution that that, that you're you're essentially presenting to them. So yeah, there's there's okay. lots of aspects. Um, you know, of, of the buyers them. that come to to buy from you, what percentage of them would you say have a winning formula already? Like what what percentage of them come to you and say, hey, hey Tom, if you guys you say this at the right time through these channels, the right person you're gonna get X. What percentage of your buyers already have that formula down? You're very low. Five percent. Uh, Give me a number. Uh, what a number. Of, of, uh, um, I'd say thirty percent have a mature. I know it's quite, quite, <laughs> quite a loose comment, but quite a mature approach to outreach, um, where they've got you know LinkedIn locked down. We've got a consistent approach across email, and then obviously the following up with you know. Um, with with the phone outreach too, so and uh, you know that's not talking about marketing, that's just talking about specifically lead generation. So, a really low percentage have all of those channels on lockdown and, and you know really consistent outreach message and a multi-touch approach. Um, you know, just because someone's not interested or, or you know at that point in time, you know, there's no you know, lack of cadence to then follow up at a certain, you know certain point in time through email or, or a different channel. So. You know, having that consistent approach and consistent cadence um, is, you know, organizations typically, I'd say around 30% that we talk to have have, have a, a mature approach. Do, do the rest understand that, like when you're, when you're engaging with the rest that don't have it, are they just kind of looking for an ROI and, and, and are you saying, hey, you know, things like market validation kind of come first? Like, like how do you talk to a buyer that's focused on, the wrong metrics when they're engaging you versus, you know, reality being like, Hey, you're over here talking about, you know, getting a six month ROI and a nine month sales cycle. We're talking about, is your messaging actually work? How do you kind of get a buyer back into the space of, of knowing what he's actually buying? Right. I think the tendency is always, I'm the best, I'm the best, I'm an expert. Now I want revenue, but people don't talk about, you know, that zone. How do you get them back to focus on what's really happening in a campaign? Um, yeah, t t testing out their messaging, testing what works. A lot of organisations uh, uh, pick 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 one approach, um, and 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 really, you know, it's a single point of failure. So, really testing out different approaches, different um, different messaging, you know, um, taking the um, the metrics that fall out of that, uh, and using that to test other. Other, other approaches. Uh, so that's how you that's how you get that's how you that's how you execute it. That makes sense. But are you talking? To, are you telling them? Are you telling them? Hey, like during a sales cycle, you like are you educating them on? Hey, this is the information you're going to get, or is it one of those things where it's like not even worth the battle? Like you're just going to start working with them. You're going to get results. You're going to show what's happening, and they're going to get you know they're going to start getting educated and learning while the results are coming in. Or is it beforehand? And it's it's an interesting question because I know that it's hard sometimes to tell buyers the truth. Uh, now I get now now I get <laughs> now I get your question. So, so I mean, if you if if you take our service for example, it's 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 results driven. So during the, the you know thorough onboarding phase, we'll map out a realistic ROI and manage that expectation early on based on our experience. You know, we've sent hundreds of thousands of messages on LinkedIn as a, as a channel. Um, so we understand that the average connection rate, the average reply rates, 
um, and then the average conversion, hence why it's a pay for result service. So we've already mapped that out during that onboarding phase, managing their yeah. expectations. Which is a, which is which is an interesting thing, right? For anybody listening, I, you know, average I just does pay for results, and by results we're talking about meetings. Ultimately, what's that? Um, not 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 necessarily. So, like I say, I've got to revert back to that challenge point, you know, um, and and the qualification. So we're qualifying prospects in, at, you know, mainly out, really. First of all, because you don't want to work with someone that's not got a challenge that you you potentially solve. So we're leading with that challenge question as part of that qualification process. Um, so early on to to qualify them. Qualify. That makes sense. For those so for those listening, it, uh, the agency is a little bit different than a full time body count, right? So you're you're actually you know getting paid for results. So so you have to do less of that education. You just go get results, right? But do you often do you ever do you ever feel that buyers Buyers that work with a company like yours don't measure some of the positive stuff you guys do aside from meetings, right? Like I would imagine that sometimes. Well, we, we yeah, we, we we split split it into two. You know, we, we you pay for leads or you okay. pay for meetings, and and but like I said, we we during that process we're qualifying them for the leads. We're qualifying them early on, and they're taking the, they're then taking that lead for you know into a, into a meeting. Um, and so so I, th- I think. Businesses expect results, and that result might be a sale. It might be a meeting. It, you know, it might be um, the, the, the the you know when they're expecting meetings, you know that they need they need a form of qualification, and that qualification is really important. Um, what about MQLs? Right? Why? Why? You know? Why is it that people who want to build an outbound program know that buyers are, are troll? Right? They they don't kind of come to the table till they're eighty five percent there. Why? Why not ask somebody? via LinkedIn or the channels that you guys use, you guys use mainly LinkedIn, right? And say, yeah. you know, hey, Tom, so you're an agency owner, wanted to know if I could put you on my email list and just send you information to keep you informed of what we're doing. Why, why do you ever, do, do you see that people want MQLs, to value MQLs, or is that an opportunity for people? Like, is it an opportunity for buyers to say, hey, instead of looking to buy either data, leads, or meetings, by an opt-in, by somebody who says, "Yeah, you can send me information." Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, like I say, it's, the, it's the, the data that you get out of the outreach campaign can be used, whether it's positive or negative data. That negative data might just mean that they're not ready right now, so they may need, may need to go into an awareness campaign. You know, all of that data is valuable in essence. So, you know, having a bit more of a mature approach, you use that data. Uh, and, and split that across your sales campaigns, and then maybe send that over to a you know marketing campaign where it's more of an awareness outreach as opposed to a, a lead gen outreach, and um, to nurture that nurture them into maybe back into the sales funnel as opposed to into you know into you know, just keeps recycling the sales. Well, that's data. that's what's happening, so, right? And I think that's that's business development sales in general. I guess my question is more specific, meaning that have you ever seen a company that says, "Hey, Tom." I'd like to pay for meetings, but I'll also pay for opt-in. And, and I'm just kind of focusing on, I think, this area that nobody talked about, which is the opt-in, where all of a sudden the, the, the CMO, the marketing team, the CEO team gets you know, the opt-in, right, which doesn't necessarily generate revenue, uh-huh. but the outsourced sales team is judged much higher on revenue, but not on these MQLs. Do you see an opportunity for buyers to want to buy MQLs and to actually like that, like, like, is it, do we live in a world where if you ask for a meeting, 
your conversion rate might be lower by trying to force somebody on a meeting too soon versus asking for an MQL. I guess that's my question. Like, like should we be should we be putting more value on an MQL? Should outsourced agencies be hired for MQLs, marketing qualified leads for those who listening who might not know the term MQL? Yeah, I mean, I mean, we're often speak. We're, we, we typically speak to salespeople, right, and sales leaders, um, which kind of don't maybe don't value marketing qualified leads enough, um, or they might be, you know, there's a dis, there's possibly a disconnect between sales and marketing, right? So, you know, that they're, they're not working in tandem and they're working on different metrics or different outcomes, but ultimately it's the same outcome. Um, so, yeah, I think I think it's definitely an opportunity. Well, to, well how do you feel? Because uh, I know what you're saying. I, 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 what you're saying is like teams of internal teams are so they're they're like they're like this so like i don't even want to bring it up because like i i'm not, not going to bring it up but what do you feel like do you think that they do you think that they should put value on mql and that they should be buying mql i guess is what i'm saying if you're uh, a leader for, for me yeah. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. I think, that, like I say, the data, whether it's um, you know it's been warmed up, data is valuable. I would say that warmed up data, Miguel, so, yeah. is more than warmed up, right? Like if I make a personal connection with someone and say, hey, like I'm not asking you to go to a meeting, like you didn't say that you're ready to buy, but I just love to send you some information. That that opt in is, is strong, right? Like these people are going to be like, who's that guy? Who's that company that did not try? Everyone's trying to ask people on meetings, right? It's like everyone is. Right? It's like going on a date and being like, I want you to meet my mom. They're like, we haven't even got on a date yet. Right? Like, and MQL was like, let's get coffee. Right? Let's put an MQL out. That's not, hap- that's not, hap- that's not happening, by it's, the way. It's not happening in real life or just not happening in business. <laughs> everyone's going straight for marriage. Everyone's, go- everyone's going straight for marriage. <laughs> so, yeah, it's, it's yeah, just yeah. like, you know, because I, 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 I hear what you're saying and it's cool because I, I, I feel that. I feel that you most likely deliver a lot more value than you're pay- getting paid for, right? Because I think if you live in a world of results, but no one's really viewing the MQL, the traffic you're generating, I'm almost being like, hey, Tom, you're doing a lot more for these companies, but because they, because as buyers, because they're focusing on the wrong metrics, you're living in that space where you're just going to give them that high value. And I think they're, I think they're missing the MQLs, and I think they're missing the activity, and I think ultimately that hurts their conversion rates. That's how I think, right? I think that if they put a better value on the funnel and work it through time, they'd have a higher conversion rate at the end. I, I think that if you get people on meetings too soon, yeah. you, it's too soon, and that's my feeling. So, you know, I think that you're, from what I hear, it's interesting because I think it's, I think it's like, hey, these are how the buyers are, right? And we know them, so we give them what they, what they want, and we, we're really good at it, but it does sound like there's an opportunity for all of us in this community to start educating people on MQLs. Hundred percent. Yeah, yeah. And in an ideal world, that that would that would be the case. Well, we want to make um, an ideal world. I mean, there is no ideal world, right? Yeah. But we have a concept of what an ideal yeah. world is, and so it's cheaper, efficient, more efficient, and yeah. faster. Usually, like these are like standard things, innovation. So, um, I think you know it's, it's an interesting conversation to have when it comes to cybersecurity. Um, have you ever seen? Or, or, or have you ever seen buyers make mistakes in the sense of like now that they get what they want, where they're like, are they, are they following up correctly? Are they treating the leads the right way? What areas of opportunities are there for buyers out there that would hire a company like yours, pay for leads, they're getting the leads? What more could they be doing to ensure that they're 
satisfied and they're they're getting revenue and they're happy. Is there anything else that's happening that buyers like a like a, like a practice that you just wish that buyers came in a little bit better prepared? Yeah, I think I think, I think a lot of organisations don't understand fully the the channel that that, that we operate in. Um, you know, having maybe an education around that before coming into purchase. You got one book to recommend being, for your buyers to read. What is it? Before working with you. Yeah, hundred a hundred million dollar offer. I agree with you because that shows yeah, people yeah, that there's yeah. a different reason why people meet with you than why they buy. Yeah, well, it's all about the offer and how you shape the offer. A lot of organisations don't have that offer, and they don't they don't articulate an offer. Back to your right mistake way. of they try to sell because we're <laughs> we're we have the magical AI cybersecurity with robot that never sleeps versus you know how much money is cybersecurity costing you, right? So back to the same thing. That book you brought up reinforces the idea that why they meet with you is very different than why they buy from you, right? And it's always it's usually about yeah, exactly. you them not us. Right, so so I like that answer because it reinforces, yeah. it reinforces, uh, you know what? Yeah, so it's, it's something I probably forgot. Like that, that offer is really important, especially when shaping our service, right? So you know the the guarantees, the the money back, all of the the the, the metrics that we put behind our service. You know that that's kind of stemmed from that book as well. Um, but you know having a, especially as a startup, um, you know having a, a compelling offer, um, you know. You've got to have an offer, or no one's going to buy it off you. And if you if it's a race to the bottom, and you know, there's no differentiator from company A and company B, you know that they're just going to go for the cheapest option. So crafting crafting a compelling op- offer is I don't see many <laughs> at all. So yeah, I think uh, it's a good it book. It is a good book. I read it. I've also watched his YouTube channel, which is which is great um, because he gets he gets deep into all that stuff all, all the time. Um, for for anybody for, for anybody that's in cybersecurity that's listening to this, what is your what is your best customer look like? And by best customer, I mean they get results because we live in a, we live in an industry that best always means they have an ROI and they're happy, right? Um, what do they look like? Where where uh, are they in EMEA? Are they doing a campaign in Europe? Is it is it America? Is it a million dollar product? A fifty thousand dollar product? What what does that look like? Well, you had a magic, you know. You, and I'm sure it looks like all the companies you worked for before opening your agency, because I know it's for your expertise, but what does that look like? Um, yeah, well, they're, they're, they're an SME, um, and, and it's a SaaS-based platform, which is where, where most are going. Um, you know, what do you, what do you consider an SME, for those listening that might not know? Yeah, up to 250 seats, I'd say was an SME. So cybersecurity, um, 250 up to 250 seats. Is there like a is there a size where yeah. it's too small, like like above fifty? No, 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 hundred percent not. You know, we work with startups, um, getting getting people off the ground uh, effectively and shaping shaping their outreach program because they've literally got nothing. Um, so, um, yeah, the, there's no there's no limitation on size. Again, it comes about it comes uh, comes back to you. I know there's no limitation, um, but for the purpose of this podcast, I want to get them the best. Right, because you might have you might have <laughs> you know Ferrari, Lamborghini, Porsche, Mercedes, and If you got to pick one, what are you picking? Right, that's the whole thing. You got to like so. So it's software, cybersecurity. Do you prefer companies that are UK based over US based, or both? Or the, the... no, no, 
No, no, no, not at all. Um, you know, for for us, any 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 organisation where their their audience is B two B two B and sell on LinkedIn is a, is a, is a use case for us. Um, so there's no limitation on on location, um, but mainly across the US. And what do you guys charge? You, do you, do you, for anybody, what do you charge per meeting? Or is that something that they, if people want to find out, they can come meet with you? Or is that something you can disclose on the on the podcast? Yeah, well, so, well we've got to, you know. So it's, it, it's not. It's not just about the meetings and the um, you know, and the leads that we create. It's all about the onboarding and the mapping out the strategy as well. So there's a thorough onboarding process, which is a separate standalone okay. product as well. So uh, throughout through that stage, there's, there's there's not only mapping out the strategy, mapping out the playbook to, to how to approach LinkedIn. There's um, you know, there's thorough training on our methodology that we deploy across our um, you know, leads or meeting service. So they can take that playbook away and we'll train them on deploying that playbook and then they can run that themselves if they really want. Um, so we're educating them. So well. everything changes basically based on their and situation. If I, if I want five fits all. Yeah, correct. So, yeah, you know, if, if it depends on the, the average lifetime value of the customer, the um the average value of their of their sale, um, you know, you know, that, which dictates the meeting cost and obviously the lead cost. Um, so you're like a doctor, if, if right? A and that's product. the right way to say it, right? You come in, mm-hmm. get your blood tested, and get a get a recommendation based on your blood of what's going on, right? And that makes sense, right? Because why would a meeting that can produce a million dollar revenue be the same cost as a meeting that produces a thousand dollars? They're not they're not the same meeting, right? They're not the same difficulty to book. Not the same outcomes, so just going to be the same price, and those are different between. Yeah, what, go ahead. And they should. Yeah, no, they should. They should understand the expectation of what output they're going to get from the campaigns, because you know a million dollar pro- product, you'd expect it to be quite a complex sales cycle and you know, fairly challenging in, in generating your leads. So there's a lot more work that goes into that, a lot more thinking, um, you know, about mapping out an account, for example, um, you know. Those types of types of things, uh, where you know, if it's quick run rate run rate business, you know, there might be a, might be a different different approach where it's low lower volume. So you know, we we try and find a, a balance um, with, with what we we try to lead. I think that. we have a few customers with you guys. I I I don't I, I remember we met recently, but I know that. Uh, I know that we've been working with you guys, and, and, and so far our clients are happy, which is awesome because we're mutually attached to performance through the marketplace. Um, and then I was excited. I know I reached out to you. I, I love the fact that you have um, – I love the fact that you worked in cyber before opening Outreach.ai because it gives you focus as a leader. Like You know the space probably, I would say, better than probably – 80% of the people that are engaging you, right? Like you've been in that cyber probably for, you've been cyber <laughs> yeah, for 10 years, they've been there for three, right? And they're kind of looking at you. Yeah, yeah. Well, nearly 15, yeah, no, 15, nearly 15 years. They're looking at you like, oh, you help me. You're like, well, you've been in this three months and I've been in 15 years. So it's like, anybody listening, uh, Tom Birch has been in cyber for 15 years and he's been making meetings <laughs> for cyber and um, you can access him for, not paying a full-time salary of a leader who's probably not going to be there for a year and a half and, and get what you need and probably support, probably support your yeah. leaders to stay there because your, your sales leadership is going to need meetings, right? Yes, yeah, so sales, sales leaders want to de-risk um, their outreach programs because often or not they've been burned you know, a significant amount of times before. So, But are they victims? Yeah, if they're also building billion-dollar companies, are they victims of losing a few thousand dollars? Is it like... Poor victim, they've been burned, but now they hit a billion, and now now what? You know, like is it is it 
is it okay to call yourself a victim of your building a billion dollar business or is, is risk normal? <laughs> um, risk's normal, but if you can de-risk it, then I'm sure it's attractive for... for, for for, for, for You're so politically people. correct. You know what I'm saying. They're always, they're always I'm, I'm, I'm a victim. I'm, I'm trying to support. It's like, well, you're also going for a billion dollar company. Like Elon Musk tried getting a rocket to land and he blew up 30,000 rockets. Like this is what happens. Like, like I feel like the, I, I, you know, we also try to do risk, right? Like we're a marketplace where people have fine negotiate and, and pay. Like, so our whole thing is the risk, yeah, but I'm also prepared to be like, de-risk you know, how much can you really de-risk something in the sense that it should have some risk, right? Because if it doesn't have some risk, then it's a different position. It's, it's building iPhones on a factory line and doing X, Y, Z. The sales is complicated and it's got a huge ROI. And that's why when you said you got into sales because it had a bigger opportunity for you to make money as a young professional, but it also had risk, Yeah. right? So sales has risk, high payouts, high risk. Yeah, but it's, bl it's, blind, it's blind risk. Yeah, blind risk at that point because your yeah, time... You know, investing my time into something wasn't really a, a risk that I was aware of. You know, investing money, I had, you know, obviously I wasn't investing in anything. I got a job, but um, you know, these the three things that we de-risk is time, investment, and performance yeah. risk. And I think that if buyers listening can become can put themselves in the shoes of sellers and absorb information on the seller side, they can further de-risk because you can understand a little bit more about you know, the people trying to help you and, and, and their wins and their mistakes because everybody is on the same side, right? I think anybody who wants to transact wants a positive outcome. I think a lot of it's become adversarial because that's how it, people felt like, well, we can't get, we can't get aligned. So if I can't be on your side, then I'm going to be against you, right? It's like, it's like, it's like magnets, how magnets either pull yeah. or, or subtract. So I feel like buyers. Yeah, those, those, yeah, those those risks are replicated across industries. Whether it's set, you're selling sales solutions or you know cybersecurity solutions or whatever it is, you know the, the, the time of investing in something is, is is the biggest risk. You know, um, spending too much time investing in the wrong thing can take the, that division or that, that operation, whatever whatever it, whatever it is. Uh, yeah, back a, I had a buyer months, ask for commission so, only the other day, which is which is fine, and then I said to him, "Well, why?" And he was like, "This could be risk," and I was like, "Well, what's the risk of?" what is the risk of doing this for six months, realizing it didn't work, not hitting your financial goals? Like you're trying to save 20 grand, but like if you don't hit your pipeline for six months, probably, you probably lose yeah, half exactly. a million dollars of cash and a million dollars of pipeline. So people all of a sudden become afraid of loss, but don't become afraid of what they need to achieve, right? If that makes sense. So, so yeah, people yeah, live... The, the, positive, the positive outcome, yeah, the positive outcome. I mean, you know, commission only, you know, I've been burnt with that. Um, you know, because of my appetite for risk at that point in time, but not with, that, that was short-termism, um, you know, the short-term thinking as opposed to long-term thinking where you're investing your time to get the best positive outcome. So it can be positioned, you know, completely different in this situation. Yeah, makes sense. Tom, this has been awesome. Where can people find you? Where, where can they reach you? What's the easiest way to get in touch with you? And LinkedIn. LinkedIn. <laughs> <laughs> LinkedIn, um, AI. Um, yeah, we've got we've got on demand webinars. You can go I signed up for one. Um, recorded. I missed it. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I signed up for one. Well, it's on demand, so it's recorded. It's yeah, it's actually a great solution that we use um, and um, want to promote to our clients. But yeah, you can you can check out our, our no sales service um, there. That's uh, that's a good place to check us out, and then. LinkedIn is our main channel. So, yeah. Everybody listening, Tom Birch, Outreach at AI. Find him on LinkedIn and his website. Tom, I appreciate you being on the show.
Um, and thank you to everybody for listening into the, the Transform Sales podcast. We'll, Cheers, we'll, we'll, we'll have to go help some cybersecurity companies. Talk soon. Yeah, definitely. See 100%. You, Looking forward to it. Thanks, Amir. Thanks for the platform.